Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk and co-host with me, Chris, you there? I'm here, James. I just got on the phone. I guess that I just learned something today, you know. I just learned so one of the great football players played at the college that he played, so that's amazing. It's amazing. Yep. Yep. Well, I wanna introduce our guest, Chris, former NFL player, Terry Billows. How you doing today, Terry? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for being on. Oh, no problem. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we can get right on into it, right, Chris? Uh, what Absolutely. We like to do. A lot of listeners out there, you know, just tell a little bit about yourself, where you're from, you know, high school, college, and what team playing in pro. Okay, uh, no problem. I, uh, well, um, high school, I, well, interestingly enough, I was born in uh, Wiesbaden, Germany, so I'm a, I'm a military brat. My, uh, my father was stationed um, in uh, Wiesbaden, Germany, and um, and I was born out there, and uh, we moved to this. We moved back to the states when I was a little over one years old. Um, but uh, you know, through playing football, I had the opportunity to go back uh, to Germany for a while. Uh, when I played in the NFL Europe, I played over there for the Rhine Fire team. So um, so I've had a chance to go back and visit sort of my roots, uh, where I grew up and where I was born there. Um, but um, yeah, I grew up in uh, Florida and. Uh, my father, when, he, when we came back to the States, my father was stationed at uh, Eglin Air Force Base in, um, in um, Niceville, Florida. So I sort of grew up there and, um, and eventually then, um, you know, um, made our way to Orlando, Florida once my father retired from the Air Force and, um, and uh, went to high school at uh, Oak Ridge High School in Orlando, Florida, played uh, football, played baseball, ran track, played basketball, so sort of did it all. You know, back in the day when... Uh, when um, we didn't specialize in just one sport, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, so you know, I, I played a little bit of everything until you know I got into my junior and senior years when I just sort of focused on track and football, and um, and uh, you know did really had a really uh, um, uh, good uh, junior and senior years in high school. Had many uh, scholarship opportunities uh, to play to continue on to play football and also to run track and uh, eventually made my way to uh, University of North Carolina. Chapel Hill uh, to play for the Tar Heels. Yeah, I got two questions. Very interesting. You said that. You know, I don't even know that. But my first one is: Is it true what they tell that Germany you can get beer out of vending machine? If it is, <laughs> I'm gonna move over there. <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure if you're getting beer out of vending machines, but I, I will say uh, uh, it is it is located in a lot of places and is easy to get access to. <laughs> so um, I um, think I'm gonna move over there. <laughs> you know, uh, the interesting thing for me though is that um, you know I don't even drink beer. I, I don't I don't drink at all. So uh, um, so I didn't I didn't get to uh, uh, partake in it. But uh, when I was over right. in NFL Europe, but. Uh, but I do know uh, it, it, it is readily accessible. <laughs> right. Well, my other question is, how did you maintain, I mean, just keeping your focus? Because I know you say you're an Army brat, and then your dad, you kept moving and moving different places. How did you, you know, because I know a lot of people, they say they tied up and move, and their dad got another um, um, assignment or something. I mean, were you, like, tired of moving, or did you, like, get some friends and you play ball with it, you, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. I think the interesting thing is, um, you know, one thing. I, 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 the first thing I would say is that um, I was young, so I think it's it's a lot easier to deal with when you're young like that because uh, you haven't made as many long-lasting friends, lifelong friends um, in your life, and um, and at the same time. I think uh, when we're young, we're much more resilient and we can bounce back from things and recover from things much better than once we sort of get set into our ways. Um, the other thing I would say from that as well is that um, um, I think the biggest, uh, you know, redeeming factor um, that, that was able to help me get through all, all the moves um, was being, being, you know, athletic and playing sports and being involved in activities all the time because whenever you do that, you're always going to get a chance to meet new people and, be, and build new friendships and new relationships with people. So yeah. you know, even if when I moved from, um, you know, when we moved from uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and moved to Orlando and stuff like that, um, you know, I was able to pick up, you know, by participating in Pop Warner football and Little League baseball and stuff like that, it gave me ready access to a whole group of other children, you know, my age that I can yeah. really know and friendships with. Nice, yeah. So that's it's always a, a good a good uh, ability to have that. You know, when you do move a lot and you're able to, you know, make friends and acquaintances, or whatever, quite easily. And you know, having the background that you have in sports, that's an easy connection with most most young men. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and you know. You know, fortunately, I had, um, you know, my parents were very, um, were very supportive, um, and, you know, they always made sure that I stayed active and doing other things and, and uh, you know, got me to where I need to get to as far as, you know, practices and games and all that type of stuff. So, so, um, so I think it was easy for me to continue, you know, to, to easily pick, sort of pick up and make new friends as, you know, as, you know, as my mm-hmm. life sort of, you know, developed. And once, once I got to Florida, once I got to Orlando, you know, my father had retired from the Air Force, so it gave me the ability to just sort of settle down and, and you know, and, and sort of be stationary then. Right. How was, the, how, how was that there with, like, you know, saying, like, with football? Because, you know, football, you, know, you play, you travel, you know, and you're in the pro different, and you got to travel, you know, at a young age and, and got to see a lot. Did that help you, Sam? Different, like, you know, going to different places and different cultures and different people. Did that help you with playing sports and meeting different? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm an avid believer in, um, in doing everything we can to, uh, um, especially our young adults, uh, of getting them out beyond just the city and the neighborhood that they know, mm-hmm. but getting them to travel and, and see other places in the world, um, to travel overseas, you know, having the opportunity um, the play in NFL Europe, um, you know, I, you know, I, I played on the Rhine Fire team in Germany. But you know, we played games. You know, we played games. You know, in all different countries. So you know, we, we you know, we're in Scotland. We played in um, Spain. You know, we played in other countries. So it gave you the opportunity to travel and, and get to see other parts of the world and get to meet people of different cultures and background, which I think is such a, a valuable thing for us to have to learn. Um, that, you know, there's other people out there that look different, talk different, that have different cultures and beliefs, and, um, and to appreciate those things. And, to, uh, and that also helps you in the locker room. You know, as you, as you know, James, yeah. by being a player, um, I, don't think, I think the locker room is probably one of the most special places there is. I mean, you know, yeah, you, 
we we get we get a chance to uh, to meet people of all different you know backgrounds, all different races and religions, and and they all become your brothers. You know, so um, there's nothing that stands in between you and and, um, and those individuals, regardless of the fact that you may not you, you may not have the you know you may not be of the same race or same culture, but you still find things to bond to. You're right. I mean, to this day, you know. Um, you know, I reach out to my friend, Clyde Simmons, every time you text me and say, brother love, you know. Like mm-hmm. I say, you, those are your brothers. I mean, right. that's what it goes. Brother, mm-hmm. you know. So you're right. And you, and you build lifelong relationships. I mean, I still stay in touch with, you know, a lot of the guys that I, uh, you know, played with, um, you know, in college. I mean, even some of the guys I played with back in high school, um, you know, I stay in touch with and guys I played with professionally. Um, and and it's, it's funny because when uh, – when Saturdays come along during during this time of the year, you know there's a whole crew of us that we sort of have a, um, you know, we get on a like our instant messenger, and mm-hmm. as the game is going on, as the Tar Heel game is going on, we're we're texting each other back and forth about you know what plays were called and why did they call this play, what who did what, and and you know giving our two cents on what what they should do or shouldn't do all the time, and it's, it's fifteen or you know twelve or fifteen of us just back and forth all day long during the game. But yeah, the, but yeah. doing something like that actually helps you guys keep that bond, keep that willingness to to want to continue uh, this lifelong friendship you've had. I mean, the bond is is, is strong. So. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I you know I, I you know they become an extension of your family. That's I mean that's mm-hmm. I mean that's the type of bond it is. I mean um, they're friends, but um, bottom line, these guys are like other. You know, they're just like another part of your family. You know, these are, and and the time, you know, the time you put into, um, you know, when you're, especially, you know, when you're in college um, and you're playing, you know, you know, division one football, the amount of time you put into, uh, into whether it's practices and games and workouts and film study and, you know, running and, you know, all the other stuff. I mean, you spend almost all your time with these guys. I mean, you spend more time with them than you do with your own family. You spend more time with them than you do on your, you know, that you have to your own self. So, so they become family. Yeah. I know Chris got a question, but I'm going I'm to work you for a little bit there. Is that all right? Okay. Uh, I, I look at schools, and it popped into me, and it's very interesting, you know. I go, oh, you went to North Carolina. But, you know, when you look at certain schools, you look at schools like, okay, North Carolina basketball, right? Or you look at other schools like Alabama, you say football. You know, how was that with the basketball program being so good and then y'all playing football? You know, were y'all friends with the basketball teams and all that? I mean, was it a brotherhood with them too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, some of, some of my really good friends were, were basketball players. Um, so, you know, um you know, I you know I the the time frame when I was in, at University of North Carolina, um, I guess sort of my first two years sort of there, I had um, uh, that would have been the time frame when uh, I'm trying to remember. So that would have been uh, Jerry Stackhouse and yeah. Rashid yeah. Wallace were there during that time frame, and I knew both of them well. I knew uh, Rashid very well. Um, you know, we all were you know you know most of the football players were good friends with the basketball players. We all got along really well. Um, and then after uh, Jerry and Rashid stayed there two years, and after they left, uh, Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson came came in. Right. So I was good friends with them as well. And and um, you know Vince was uh, was was from down in Florida where I'm from, uh, so that had a little, another little connection there. 
Um, but we all got along really well. I mean, there wasn't really much of any animosity or anything like that between the, the basketball players or the football players. Right. Um, we all got along really well. And I think at North Carolina, I mean, if anybody, if any, any football player that wants to be honest with you will tell you that um, um, coming to North Carolina, you, all, you know North Carolina is a basketball school. <laughs> you right. North Carolina, um, at the end of the day, is a basketball school. I mean, we, we had a, a, very good football, a very good football program when I was there. But um, it's still it's the Tar Heels. It's still a basketball school. You know, you're down on Tobacco Road there. You got right. down the street. Um, you know, North Carolina in the day is still going is always going to be a basketball school. Um, so, let's so we'll, we'll take a break and then we're going to get into some legal beagle stuff. That rhymes, huh? I get two points. <laughs> <laughs> this is James, Chris, and Terry. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is Jerry Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk, co-host of Chris Whitney. I'm here. I'm I'm taking along. <laughs> I'm glad we got that guest here because I like to learn like the legal stuff. The you know, other mm-hmm. stuff is not legal. I'm sure you gotta tell us. And like, um, just I got something for him. You feel that, Terry? I'm still here. 
Hey, I have a question. I hope I ain't crossing the line. I hope I can ask you this. You okay. told me you went to Africa. And I want to just, can you for a minute, is that okay I talk about oh, yeah, something no, else? You went over there, and I, I'm amazed. I want to go. Just how they live together over there, they make it. Whatever they have, it's great to make it. Why we can't over here do that? And be, You know what I'm saying? But I know when you was over there, was it amazing to see how they work together and survive what they have? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, as I indicated, my, my wife and I, we went over there. Um, we traveled about five different countries. It's been about 21 days over there. Um, and it, it, was, it, was, it was absolutely one of the greatest opportunities of my life. I mean, it was amazing. Um, you know, we spent time in Botswana, South Africa, um, Nambia, um, a whole bunch of different places over there. Um, had a chance to see Victoria Falls and Cape Town and, you know, Robben Island where Nelson Mandela was locked up. Um, so it, it was a it was an amazing experience, and, and you're right. I mean, when you look at um, you know uh, how the people work to. I mean, they take you know they take the little resources they may have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at least some some parts of the country uh, they, uh, or the, uh, of those different countries, and they they make they make a life out of it. They you know a lot of them are they're very happy and they and they work hard to uh, to, to take what they have. And 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 I think you know there's a lot of things that we can learn from that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, with with our society, I think we have a little bit of a, you know, we have a, a scenario where we've got a lot of our ancestors who work very hard for us, and we have a lot we have a lot more um, yeah. than you know what than, than what a lot of us may have had, or our family may have had uh, years prior, and and I think sometimes we get a little bit complacent as people, um, and we yeah. don't you know we don't we don't um, we don't appreciate what we have as much, so. I do think uh, there's things that we can learn from other cultures like that. And that's why I had indicated earlier that, you know, having that opportunity, you know, from, um, you know, I, I, I got a passion out of wanting to travel overseas from, like I said, when I played in NFL Europe and had a chance to go to those different countries and started to explore other cultures and how other people see the world, and, um, and it grew on me. So, um, so any chance that we, we get a chance to to, to to travel like that, we try to take advantage of it. It's a little bit difficult now because I've got two little ones running around at home, so it makes it a lot more difficult to travel. But, uh, but um, you know, as soon as we have the opportunity, we'll get back into it doing more of it. Awesome, man. That's okay. Hats off. You, you got to go see that and experience, the, you know, the interact with them. I mean, it's wonderful. I'm going to do it one day. That's my bucket list. Yeah, and I, I didn't even mention, so I also did, uh, while we were over there, um, there's a there's a, uh, what they call Gaines Bay, South Africa, which is what they call Shark Alley, and there's a certain time of the year where you've got whales, shark, great white sharks, and seals, and they're all in the same little area in the bay, and um, I, we did uh, shark cage diving there, so we had, uh, so, so we were out there with, uh, and we had great white sharks, you know, circling the boat and stuff like that, we had about a 15-footer out there when I was out there, so. Wow. We <laughs> were man. <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, you, you, you guys got to go do that. I'll, I'll, I'll stay back here and uh, I'll, I'll watch the store for you. Ugh, shark. So, all right. Um, but I guess before we get into talking about uh, what, what you, what, what you really wanted to get into today, I just have a couple questions. Um, the, the things that are kind of happening now and. I just kind of want your opinion on this. So 
Um, what's with all these athletes spitting their mouth guards out during the game, as well as running onto the field, picking up a ref, and tossing them to the side? Where is the respect being shown? I mean, they say they want respect, but they're not showing it. Well, um, my buddy there, Marshawn, um, um, I think, uh, you know, Marshawn's a very uh, emotional guy, and, um, and, you know, he... His his cousin there, Marcus Peters. I think the main thing there, he was trying to look out for, uh, for um, you know, trying to uh, make sure that his cousin didn't get in trouble. Um, and um, I, I think he just got a little bit overexcited and wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. And and um, I'm not even sure if he realized that the guy he got grabbed and sort of threw out of the way was a ref. Um, but it but his conduct is not excusable. I mean, obviously. Um, and um, I think the league was you know was correct and. And the, you know, and probably was probably correct in the suspension there. Um, I believe it was a one-game suspension that he received. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think he got a little bit excited and uh, and um, you know, looking out both for his teammates and also trying to look out for his cousin. Um, sort of sort of went too far there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so, kind of leading up to what's going on. Uh, first of all, I understand that the NFL players had a powerful meeting for social justice. They were joined by the political leaders. You know, basically what they're trying to do is push for criminal justice reform. You know, they, every city that they would go to or that, that you know, like a, a, ex, a former player would be there. Uh, Anquan Bolden was, was one. And he would lead the, 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 the talks go at, at, at wherever they're, they're being held out there. And listen to some of these people's stories, you know, of of you know, here they they the people would get arrested, wouldn't have enough money to to bond, or they'd be able to get bond out, right? Um, and then, you know, here they are not being able to you know, have no job, have no no money, and and you know, having to start all over again. Right. Right. Yeah, so, so you know, I you know, I've I've been following the uh the uh NFL protests uh, uh very closely, um, you know, especially having sort of the unique perspective of both being a former player, you know, during my time when I played for the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots and then also having um sort of the unique perspective of of being an attorney and uh, being an attorney that has worked in, um, you know, worked on First Amendment right issues, um, being an employment and labor attorney, so worked on labor issues as it relates to uh, um, um, the National Labor Relations Act. Um, so, so it's given me, uh, you know, every time I'm, you know, when I watch games and I watch uh, the things that are going on, it gives me sort of a unique way of looking at things. And, um, and you know, when you look at the stance that Colin Kaepernick took, uh, you know, a year ago, um, when he started, when he, well, he first started uh, started off by sitting during the national anthem, and then he then um, after conversations with um, um, a vet, uh, Nate Boyer, who um, encouraged him to take a knee, a knee uh, he then uh, started taking a knee, you know, for uh, to uh, protest for social justice, um, um, you know, to protest against uh, the killing of unarmed black men and criminal justice reform. And so, you know, those protests, um, you know, I would say, you know, especially when you know, Colin I got involved with it last year, 
I'm sure it was a very lonely scenario for him because he didn't. I mean, there was a few guys that were also participating, you know, at that time, but there weren't there weren't that many. There weren't as many as you know as you may see um, as you may see now. And so um, to have that that courage to, to sort of step out there and to get uh, these uh, you know that you know to get these conversations started up. Um, to spark, you know, um, you know all the things that you've seen, you know, that's going on now over a year later. Um, it, I, that was a very difficult thing for uh, for him to do, and you know, and I and I listen to people when people say, oh, you know, it was just, you know, you know, like he just wanted attention, this and that. Look, you're risking your career, you know, <laughs> your your NFL career. Um, you know, this wasn't about just seeking and getting attention. I mean, it was obviously he had. Uh, he felt passionate about uh, about raising attention to these issues, and um, and wanted to uh, use his platform as many athletes have done before him. Um, this wasn't anything new. I mean, it, you can go back, you know, to you know, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali and so on and so on. I mean, you can go, you know, back to you know the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico with. Tommy Smith and John Carlos yeah. raising their fists with black gloves on, um, you know, to protest um, for social justice issues as well. So, so uh, professional athletes um, have always done this. This is, you know, this isn't this isn't a new uh, a new place for them. So, using that platform um, has been something that has been unique for athletes to do, and they've done it for many years. And um, and you know, I tip my hat out. For him to uh, to take that type of stance and to, and, to, and to risk his NFL career, which which obviously he did. I mean, he's not playing in the league right now. I think many of us who follow the NFL would think that he's uh, he's probably just as good, if not better, than a lot of the quarterbacks that are on the NFL rosters at this time. Terry, I have a question before Chris goes the other. Say like well, me and you when we play. I mean, I wasn't you know how you say the million dollar guy or the big name guy. Would you do that if you was playing now? If you know, you know, you need to stay on this team to play, you know, I mean, like you say, you got two little ones at home and a wife, and you know you're risking your job. Would you do it? You know, and it's almost, I think, um, you know, and I've, I've asked myself that same question many times, and it's almost sort of playing like, uh, you know, they talk about sort of the armchair quarterback or the Monday morning quarterback of sort of, you know, second-guessing or questioning and um, and I don't know. I mean, I I I, I tell myself I would like to believe that I would have the courage and the ability um, to take a knee along with because I believe in all the things that uh, you know that Colin originally took knees for, and that the things that guys are, that are still protesting now, the Michael Bennett's and the Michael Tom, uh, Michael Thomas and, and the, you know Eric Reed and the rest of these guys that are that are still protesting. I believe in all those things. I'm passionate about all those things. But I, I think it is hard, though, um, and that's why I said, I mean, it, it takes a courageous person to do it because it's one thing if you have a superstar that goes out there and does it. Look, the Seattle Seahawks are not going to release Michael Bennett. I mean, he's right. he's an all-pro, one of their best right. defensive players. But you take a guy like my, you know, like you mentioned yourself, but take a guy like myself who was a free agent coming out of college who, you know, I, I played and I started games, but that was only because, you know, when I was in New England, I started, you know, briefly some games for New England, but that was because Ty Law, you know, got hurt. Right. And so I came in to replace Ty Law. When I was with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I started some games. Actually, my first NFL start was on Thanksgiving Day uh, 
playing against uh, uh, Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Um, and that was because Deion Sanders was hurt. Yeah. So I was Deion Sanders' backup. So, um, so I was a guy that, you know, the team was going to easily function without me. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, so, you know, I did whatever I could to, you know, obviously try to keep a, you know, keep a, a, a spot on that team and to be able to play. But um, if I was to take a knee, they would have no issues or problems getting rid of me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, would, I'm, I wouldn't have been a critical, a critical part in, um, in their game plan. So I think it's very hard for, for us to expect, um, you know, these guys that, that aren't superstars to be able to go out there and, and to engage in, in this level of protest. And I think it might be a little bit easier now for guys to do it, but especially if you go back a year ago when Colin was first doing it. Like I said, there was only a handful of guys that were doing anything in any type of way to protest, whether it's raising a fist or taking right. a knee, um, because people were, because these guys were very much worried about uh, you know possibly being released and and um, or being benched and not having opportunity to play, and especially after they saw. You know, Colin. You know, obviously he opted out of his contract. You know, he wasn't term. You know, he wasn't released by the 49ers, but he opted out of his contract. But I don't think anybody initially in the beginning thought that he would have any issues getting on another team. I mean, because right. he knew the type of talent that he had. And then when the season started to come up and nobody was signing him, I think um, you know by the time the season started this year, guys were very leery about continuing trying to do any type of protesting because they started worrying about their jobs. And I think that's a valid point because, uh, I mean, how many of us right now can just say, um, I'm ready, I, I, can, I'll do, I can go out there right now and do something, and I'm ready to just walk away from my job and my paycheck? No. Yeah. No. And, I, and, and that's the thing. I don't think uh, people look at it that way. Um, you know, so to take this type of stance, you have to be willing to say you're, you're willing to right now today to be without a job completely lose your job and be without whatever that paycheck is. And I think a lot of guys, a lot of people, you know, look at it and say, oh, well, these are multimillionaires. They're, you know, they're making all this money. You know, they can afford uh, to walk away, you know. And um, I, I think it's not, it's not fair to, to look at, to view anybody in that type of way because uh, of, of, you don't know what their circumstances are as to whether or not somebody should just give up their livelihood. Um, so... I think it's a difficult thing, you know. Like I said, I'd like to tell myself that I I, I would have the, the the courage and the ability to do it. Um, I, I, I I truly believe that I would, but I don't think I could really answer that question unless I was in the circumstance of, yeah. of having to make up a decision whether or not to take a knee. Well, this is what we're gonna do. We'll take a break, so we'll come out. We're gonna finish this because I know Chris Cowboy. I got more too about those Cowboys. So this <laughs> is James, Chris, and Terry. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host, Loving That Sports Talk co-host, and Chris, Chris, you didn't leave, did you? Oh, why would I? This is this is a good show, so you got me. <laughs> and I guess from NFL played Terry. Terry, don't leave us yet, all right? No, I'm here. I'm here. Terry, no, Chris got questions, but I want to go back into a little bit what you were saying. Um, we we talked about, you know, like if me and you, not the big player, would do it. But you look at players like with Dallas, when Jerry Jones came out and said, hey, y'all do that, you're getting cut. Why players like... Um, Ezekiel and all the big time, you know, say, hey, we're going to take the stance because, but why are they scared, you know? Because you, like you say, nobody got cut down. They can cut Michael Bennett, but yeah. why they don't do it? You think they just want to stay out of it because it got too big? You know, and I, 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 I well, first, I, I don't want to speak on their behalf because, I, you know, I, I have not right. spoke to Ezekiel Elliott or any of those guys to, um, to be able to, to tell you what their thoughts are. And I, and I wouldn't say... And I wouldn't want to use the terminology that they're scared to do it because um, yeah. that would suggest, first of all, that they want to kneel for the flag, and they may not want to well, kneel for the flag. Well. Um, so, and I think I think the very first thing with this whole conversation, we've got to be able to, from all sides, be able to respect the fact that um, uh, you know the the issue has to be um, that it's not that you should kneel, and it's not that you shouldn't kneel. I mean, you should be able to do whichever whichever one is in your heart to do. Um, right. and, and I think that's where the big issue comes with this whole protest in the sense that, um, you know, I don't have an issue with guys um, that are out there, um, other, other, other guys of my same skin color who are, who are choosing not to kneel. That's not an issue. Mm-hmm. I, don't have yeah. a, I don't have a problem that these guys, that some guys are not kneeling. Um, but the problem becomes where you are calling for guys to be fired where you are calling guys SOBs and stuff like yeah. that because they are choosing to kneel, um, where they're choosing to exercise, you know, 
um, you know, one of our greatest rights, you know, First Amendment right to free speech and expression, um, and they're trying to bring attention to social issues that we should all be concerned about that should all matter to everybody, um, that should matter to everybody. So, um, so that should be the thing is that we should be able, as a, as a um, um, you know, a diverse citizenship, citizenry, be able to uh, respect uh, each other's abilities to decide whether or not um, a person wants to kneel or not kneel. And, and I think, you know, like I said, the, the issues become when you start having, um, you know, a, a president calling down for players to be fired and for yeah. owners to bench players and calling them to SOBs and stuff like that, um, you know, that's, that becomes a problem. And that's why you saw, you, you, you've seen um, a, a lot of this protest. I mean, again, until that happened, um, the protests were very small. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that many guys um, that were actually doing it. And it wasn't until those comments um, that came down where you started having, I think, I, think that, I think that weekend after the president made those comments, you had over 100 players um, that either kneeled or, or took a seat during the national anthem. Um, so yeah. it shows that um, that uh, I think the president actually sparked this issue even even more than what it was, um, and why a lot of players felt like, well, he's now affecting our working conditions. He's he's asking our employers to terminate us if we decide to kneel. Um, right. So that's when you sort of get into this whole other area. You know, people talk about the First Amendment, but you know, as most of us probably are aware by now, that the First Amendment only prohibits the government from taking action against you. And so these NFL teams aren't government actors. So they're not, so, you know, technically, if you looked at it from a constitutional standpoint, um, NFL owners could absolutely terminate, um, could absolutely release players um, who choose to kneel because um, while they're engaging in First Amendment speech, the First Amendment doesn't prohibit private actors such as, you know, private NFL owners from taking um, adverse action against their employees. However, there's a whole other body of law out there, and that's you know the National Labor Relations Act and what we call concerted activity that comes into play. And um, and you know what these guys are doing likely can be considered concerted activity and protected under the National Labor Relations Act, which would, would which would prohibit uh, NFL owner, for instance, from um, from firing uh, a player for engaging in concerted activity. Well, I don't know, that, but isn't it? Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. There's a couple of things I, I want to bring up about this whole thing that has made me angry from the beginning. One is, um, as soon as he started kneeling, of course, everyone, all these, all these people were not listening to the reason why he was even kneeling. You know, they, they just took it upon themselves and made mad assumptions. Right. Um, that, that, that's the first thing that really just got me heated. So, and even later on, they, they weren't listening, you know, and then people, you know, they got more and more mad. We're going to boycott. We're going to do this. Fine. Boycott. Go away. I don't, I don't want to read your posts on Facebook or wherever you're on. Um, the other thing that, that's happening is, you know, once, once, pre- once President um, came on and, and said what he did, and, and, of course, the players got angry. I think that the following week was the bye week for, the, for, the, um, for, the, for Dallas. And, you know, they wanted all the players to somehow make 
and allegiance together to all stand or, or kneel or do something right. together. And, and, and they were all going to talk about it and, you know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to let everyone know what they were talking about, um, or what they had agreed on, but they were agreeing on something. And since that's happened, nothing's come out, really, nothing's come out. So are they just, you know, cause, because we know that in the players' contracts, there is no rule set that they must, the only thing that, that says in there is that they have to be on the field. It doesn't say they have to be sitting. It doesn't say they have to be standing. It says they have to be on the field during the national anthem. Right, and I think so, there's one other. I think there might be one other sentence in there that said they should stand. Um, and, and myself, as a lawyer, and, and any other lawyers out there, know there's there's a, a, a major difference between the, the use of the word of should versus should, yes. a must, must or shall. Right. Um, which which would you know the must and shall indicate that you have to do it versus the should just is a suggestion maybe that you should do it, um, but you don't have to do it. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's 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 clearly nothing um, that has been what we call collectively bargained for between the NFL Players Association and the NFL, which would require the players to actually stand national anthem, um, and that's one of the major distinguishing factors facts between you know I've had a lot of people ask me, well, why is it that the NBA can require their players to stand during the national anthem, but the NFL can't, and that's because the NBA. Be, Prior to any of this starting up, the NBA already had a rule that had been bargained between, had been bargained for between the NBA Players Association and the NBA um, to require players to stand for the national anthem, whereas the NFL yeah. had not done that. So any any uh, actions by the NFL now to try to force players to stand for the national anthem or to try to change the rules or unilaterally change the rules to force players to stand for the National Anthem would likely be a violation of the National Labor Relations Act. It would likely be what we call unfair labor practice because, um, you know, when you, you know, the NFL is a, you know, they have a union. They have the NFL Players Association. And, you know, when you have league rules like that, those rules related to workplace conditions have to be bargained for by both sides. So the NFL and the NFL Players Association have to bargain for what those rules are going to be. And, so the NFL doesn't have the ability to just right now on their own to just say we're going to create a workplace rule that we have not bargained for um, unless there's a provision or a clause that would give them the ability to make this unilateral decision. I don't believe there's one in there. Um, and I think that's why when you saw, you know, if you might recall, you know, when, when um, Commissioner Goodell put, Goodell put out that statement saying that players should stand, and then the president turned around and said, oh, good, you know, he first uh, – you know, you know, thank Jerry Jones for putting out his statement that he would, you know, he would release players if they didn't stand, and then he thanked uh, uh, Commissioner Goodell for um, for requiring players to stand. And then you saw the NFL come right back and say, "Well, hold on, we didn't say that we were changing the rule and requiring players to stand. We just said that they should stand." And they and they took a step back, um, and I think they took that step back because they had to be concerned about whether or not changing the rules unilaterally and requiring players to stand would possibly be a violation of the National Labor Relations Act. And, and you may have seen there's a, there's a, a union, uh, a labor union, labor organization down in uh, Texas that actually filed an unfair labor practice charge against the Dallas Cowboys, um, against Jerry Jones and Dallas Cowboys because of the statements that Jerry Jones has made 
um, you know, threat, basically threatening to terminate employees, uh, uh, players who, who uh, choose to kneel during the national anthem. Mm. Yeah, I, I knew he was, you know, he, he was backing what, you know, what what what, what president said, but um, he, as far as Jerry Jones saying right. that, you know, as soon as he did, people kind of backed off a little bit, not showing, because they didn't know which way to go. Yeah, well, and, and you know, I, what I find very interesting, if if you recall, if you just sort of look at how all this has played out. I mean, you start a year ago, you got Colin Kaepernick who takes the knee um, to, to bring attention, to raise attention to social justice issues. Um, and, like, and like always, historically, you're going to have people, oh, this is not the right time and the right place. Um, but that's not a new argument. I mean, that's, that, that's the same old argument that's been used forever and ever and ever. You go back to the civil rights movement. I mean, um, you know, one of my favorite readings is uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail. And he talks about how, you know, um, you know that his, his, his concern was that, um, was that people always questioned, you know, any time that somebody engaged in, in protests or, or, or a fight for civil rights, that people always question the time and the place and the manner in which you do it. And they always say it's not the right time. And he talked about, you know, when is the right time? It's never going to be the right time for a lot of people. But, um, but that, that you always got to move forward anyway um, for, for social justice. So you have Colin that started that a year ago, and then you look at, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of guys. I mean, there was plenty of guys, and I know there was plenty of guys who supported what he did, but like I said, it was a, it's a hard decision to choose to go down there and take that knee when you know that Colin, that nobody's willing to sign Colin Kaepernick, and that means you're possibly giving away your career. I mean, even if you look at um, Brandon, Mar- or, um, Brandon Marshall for the uh, Denver Broncos, the linebacker for the Denver Broncos, he lost one of his... Uh, endorsement deals when he took a knee. Um, and so you could see the repercussions that these guys were facing if they chose to take a knee. So you didn't have a lot of guys that were actually um, taking knees. I mean, you had a lot of guys supporting but not necessarily taking knees. And then you have the comments from the president. And, um, and then right after those comments from the president, not only did players uh, rally together to, to sort of um, uh, take action to sort of um, what I would call concerted activity to, to band together to, uh, to sort of protest the president's statements and comments, you know, calling them SOBs, uh, the, the president trying to insert himself into trying to pressure NFL owners to take discipline and action against players. Um, you had the players come together, but then you also had the NFL owners, if you recall. I mean, you had NFL owners that had put out statements calling the president's comments di- uh, divisive. Uh, you have play- you have NFL owners and coaches uh, lock arms with their players. I mean, look at Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, uh, they he went they went and took a knee. They locked arms together and took a knee right before the anthem was played. I mean, they stood up after the you know once the anthem started. But he showed he tried he 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 gathered with his players to take a stand to basically engage in free expression on the field um, and took a knee. But they did that. Um, thinking that they would be able to appease everybody and that things would be okay. And when they realized that this issue wasn't going to go away and it got larger and larger and you had so many people who were also, um, not only did you have some people who were protesting in the sense of not watching NFL games because um, you had a lot of people who were, who were not watching NFL games because they were protesting the fact that um, 
it looked like the NFL teams were colluding and not hiring Colin Kaepernick. But then after the president's statements, you had a lot of people um, on the other on the other side that were protesting and not watching NFL games because they were upset that players were kneeling during the anthem. And so when the you know as this continued to go on and it's starting to affect the ratings and 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 how many people were actually watching games, you could see how quickly NFL owners, uh, although they were at one point in time were taking. Uh, standing up for their players and, you know, speaking out against the president, a lot of them just sort of went away. And you have, you know, you've got Jerry Jones who's about, you know, benching players and terminating players. You have Miami, the owner from Miami, who's released statements about, you know, doing the same thing. So it, it shows how quickly this, that the dollar signs matter to these owners. And that's what, that, at the end of the day, that's what matters to them is the green, you know. So they started off, you know, saying that they were supporting their players, but they've left a lot of their players to the wayside. Right, right. And, you know, we talked about earlier that, um, you know, that you know the locker room being such a unique and dynamic area, you know, a space that, um, you know, this is where brotherhoods are 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 formed and lifelong friendships are formed, and um, there's almost nothing in the locker room that divides players. I mean, you know, do players get in little squabbles and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day. You know, you 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 come back together. You take you take that field together. You go out there. You play hard uh, for your team and your and your, your brother. Your, that brotherhood that you have um, and little squabbles you may get into, they all go away. You know, this is the first time that I've ever seen in you know both in my in, in my life and also my sort of studies of of uh, athletic. So, so I've I've studied for a long time um, how politics affects athletics and um, when you look at that um, and understand the locker rooms that uh, guys have been in for many many years this is the first time I've ever seen where guys are divided in locker rooms there's a division in in our locker rooms today and um, I never thought it would get to this point I never thought that anything could 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 take you to a point where you know um, you know guys in the locker rooms together in the NFL locker room are looking at each other sort of, I thought you were my friend, but I'm not quite sure. And so that's the unfortunate part that we've, we've got, we've allowed this uh, um, uh, such a, you know, the divisiveness in the country is also has led into our locker rooms and um, are affecting those, uh, those brotherhoods in those locker rooms. Isn't that what they tried to do, Terry, to get them divided and have everybody, you know, because if you still look at it, Nobody still understands, well, I think they do, why is he taking the lead? And keep going to, well, you're disrespecting uh, the people who fought for us. That's not the whole thing. They right. still not trying to get ahead. Why is he doing it, you know? Right. And I think they don't want to, right? Right. I mean, you, you know... Uh you know, it's interesting. You know, people who, who you know talk about, oh, it's you know, it's all about disrespecting the flag and disrespecting the national anthem and all that type of stuff. Um, I think at this point in time, you know, maybe in the very beginning when people weren't paying attention or those people who weren't football fans who were who weren't even you know watching the games weren't paying attention. Maybe they didn't know what he was kneeling for. But there's nobody right now in this country who could claim they don't understand or know why. This, this whole protest started from the first place. There's no way possible, unless you've been living on a rock for the last, you know, two years, 
there's no way possible that for you to claim that you don't know why Colin Kaepernick originally took a knee. Everybody knows. I mean, because it's been talked about over and over again. He's explained it over and over again. All the other players who have taken a knee have explained over and over again. And you have all these players saying repeatedly, this isn't about disrespecting the flag. This isn't about disrespect for the military. We love the military. And in many of these people's families, um, they have military members. I mean, my family, you know, as I, you know, as I talked about earlier, I'm, a, I'm an Air Force brat. I grew up on an Air Force base. Um, my father is retired Air Force. My, all my uncles were, uh, were either, you know, Air Force, uh, Army, Navy. Um, my, I have a big military family, and every last one of them would tell you that, you know, the reason why they fought in the military, the reason why um, they fought for this country was for each and every last one of us to be able to take a knee if we want to take a knee, um, for each and last, every last one of us to be able to, uh, to, be able to pre- peacefully protest uh, uh, racial injustice and social, equal- social equality issues, um, and that these are rights and freedoms that they fought for, you know, that these are the things that we should have the ability to do. So I wouldn't be sitting here saying that, you know, if I was in this scenario that I would take a knee if it was about disrespecting the military because I, I come from a military family. I mean, I couldn't look my father in the eye if, if, if I was taking a knee to show disrespect for the hard work and service that he put in as, uh, as a, um, you know, um, in the Air Force. Um, but that's not what this is about. It's not about disrespect for the military. It has, not, it has nothing to do with that. And, and anybody who claims that now, they're not being honest. That's just plain and simple because they know why these guys have been taking a knee and what the guys have indicated why they're taking a knee. And, and the thing is, and that's why I said, I mean, until the president sort of got himself involved, um, I think the sole issue was that they were taking a knee just for social justice issues. They were looking at, you know, like I said, the, the killing of unarmed black men um, for uh, criminal justice reform, you know, you know this whole uh, bail system that we have where if you don't have the money to put up for bail, you end up sitting, sitting in jail, you know. Um, and who does, that, who does that largely affect? A lot of times it affects minorities that don't have the money to put up uh, bail. So these were issues that they were originally protesting, but I think the protests have extended beyond that now. Um, you've got, like I said, for some of these guys, they're protesting the president. They're protesting the, the comments that the president made about them, calling them SOBs. They're protesting the president, asking their their uh, NFL owners to fire them you know, if they engage in any of this stuff. And, and let's, let's not, you know, pretend here. I mean, when this month comes up and we start, uh, you know, we, we engage, uh, the NFL is an active member in, in um, support for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Any of those things, that's all political speech. That's all expression. So if they can engage, if NFL players are, are allowed or required to wear pink or engage in um, support for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, the concept that they shouldn't be allowed to express uh, opinion or support for other social issues, that's ridiculous. I mean, everybody's in favor of breast cancer awareness, but why is not everybody in favor of social, other social justice issues, such as racial equality um, or social or criminal justice reform? I hate to cut you off, but they gave me the music, but we definitely get you back on. We're going to finish this. Would that be all right with you? Oh, that sounds great. Definitely will, because I want to, you know, because this is, like you say, much bigger than what, you know, it's a lot to talk about. So we'll, uh, Chris set that up, we'll get you back on. Is that okay? That sounds great, James. I appreciate it. Thank you for being mm-hmm. on, Chris. 
All right. It's been great. You know, yeah, definitely. I'll get in touch with you, and we'll uh, find a time. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you, Chris. All right. Hey, you take care. All right. You too, too. Bye-bye. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.